Good evening and welcome to The Lounge, that safe space where we discuss all things mental health and wellness. I'm Dr. Audrey Tang and I'm back with our resident expert panel, Coach Sharon Lawton and Dr. Meg Arrell to talk about what's getting you psyched. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Hi. (laughs) I think both of us were waiting for the other to say it first. But yeah, lovely to be here as always. Yeah, Sharon, we're just far too polite. Oh my goodness, like holding back. You know what happened to me the other day? I'll just put this in quick. And it always happens. You know, when you're walking along the street and somebody's coming towards you and you both move to the right and you both move to the left. It happens <laughs> all the time. And I feel like that just happened, you know, in terms of our verbal communication. And research has shown that people that do that actually have higher levels of empathy. So there we go. <laughs> well, of course, of course. That goes without saying. <laughs> That's why we're here. And in fact, empathy is the right way to start tonight because we're talking about empathy for ourselves, loving our bodies, a bit of self-compassion. And I also wanted to do this at that time of year. We're probably all feeling a bit sluggish. We might be hiding in our chunky jumpers. It's getting towards Christmas. So we might even be worrying about overindulging and perhaps even thinking about the next year. So this show, I wanted to focus on staying body positive, but inside and out, which is the most important. But before we get to the tips and tools and our special guests, I wanted to think about why we think this way. Let's go to you, Sharon. Why do we hate on ourselves so much? I have a personal dislike to the word hate. It's such Mm. a strong word, isn't it? You know, but um I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with um, just getting us to reflect a little bit on the gym industry, the beauty industry, um, you know, and 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 the consumer industry, I guess, but particularly beauty industry and the gym industry. You know, they earn a lot of money off the back of causing us to feel not good enough, or you know, not pretty enough, or or not skinny enough, or you know, all of that sort of stuff. And so there's a lot of pressure which of course is compounded by everything that we are consuming on social media. So that's I think where I would would start that conversation today. I think that's right. And that is what we're going to be talking to our guests about as well, the messages that are being put across to us. And then with you, Dr. Meg, I know this is something you work with as well. There must be some reasons in our past sometimes that cause us to think so negatively. Absolutely. So our sense of self-identity, it builds up over a lifetime. And some of that will be from early childhood experiences, experiences we have with our caregivers, but also experiences we have with our peers, experiences we have with the wider society. So I do work quite a lot in the field of emotional eating. And I want to say something that's going to probably sound a, a little bit controversial because we tend not to use the word fat anymore because it is so emotionally laden. And when I'm working with clients, we explore fat as a feeling. So if you say the word fat, what immediately comes to mind, and for many clients, it's a sense of shame, it's a sense of guilt, and there are quite a lot of negative emotions around that word. As I say, people have become so frightened of using it and just shows actually it's something that we need to tackle. And I know with our guests, we're going to be talking a lot about physical appearance and our views towards the body. But often when I explore that concept of fat as a feeling with clients, there is so much information and we explore what where are those emotions coming from and where are the voices around those negative emotions coming from. And it is a combination. And I wouldn't say it's just one thing it's always a combination 
of some things that we picked up during childhood, often during adolescence. I just remember some of the messages that I received when I was growing up, and it certainly was that looking a certain way was absolutely what we should be aiming for. And there were so many sort of value-laden associations with physical appearance. So it is quite a loaded term. It's a loaded topic, and I can't wait to get into it a bit more. Yes, and this also relates to the same terminology that Sharon's talking about with the social media, with the gym, almost that this is a bad thing and we need to avoid it. So we've got two wonderful guests joining us this week, Esme and Heather from the Curvy Wellness Company, who want us to focus on health rather than what we perceive as fitness, which can sometimes actually, exactly as you've said, Sharon, be an Instagram filter. So just before that, let's hear from Tim with his thoughts on the dad bod. This summer I was in Portugal with my family, including my 21-year-old nephew, Charlie. Now, over the past few years, Charlie's got into weightlifting and he's developed a highly sculpted physique that wouldn't look out of place in an aftershave advert. I've never had such a physique, and it's highly likely I never will. And yet he's openly admitted that he would not be able to run anywhere close to the distances that I do. Does this make me feel better about my own physical appearance? No, of course not. Curse my dad bod and my love handles. But it does tell me that there is more than one definition of fit. Charlie is definitely fit, but so am I, just in a different way. And if you expand on this, it's pretty easy to see that everyone is different in so many different ways. Fitness, age, gender, height, weight. There's approaching 8 billion people on this planet and we are all different in an almost infinite way. There's no single view of perfect, only the false aspirations created by our own self-critical minds. We're surrounded by images of perfect people on our screens in print across social media. Movie stars are getting buffer and even more beautiful than ever. But movie stars get paid to work out all day for months and months before filming even starts. They can afford staff to help around the house and with childcare. They have their own gyms, swimming pools, their own dietitians, chefs, personal trainers and plastic surgeons too. The playing field isn't just uneven. It is ripped apart by an earthquake. Deep down, we all know this, and yet still our insecurities persist. So here are a few things that may just help deal with them. Firstly, and this is a bit of a slow burner, if your insecurities are concerned with fitness, then take steps to improve, take control. Elsewhere in this episode, there are discussions about exercising with a self-damaging mindset, and watch out for that. But undertaking moderate exercise along with a balanced diet can be incredibly rewarding and brings with it a multitude of benefits. Besides the obvious improvements to your physical health, they can also contribute uh, to a sharper mind, increase self-confidence, improve sleep, a more robust immune system and many more things besides. Make sure to do so with a blend of achievable goals in mind, that's important, it's unlikely I will ever look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, no matter how much time I spend in the gym. Secondly, and this is a bit more achievable in the short term, be kind to yourself. And I cannot stress this enough. There may be features you're unable to change about yourself. So roll with it and remind yourself that the very features you would dearly love to lose are the very things that people adore you for. Embrace your uniqueness and blaze your own trail of beauty. Thirdly, don't compare on an uneven playing field. You find yourself always comparing yourself to a model or film star. 
Well, if so, remind yourself they also have the luxury of special effects editors, as well as Photoshop and airbrushes, plus a PR team whose job it is to make them look good. Whereas you've got to prepare the kids' lunches, do the school run, race off to work, buy groceries, cook dinner, pay bills, and plenty more besides, before you can even think about investing time in yourself. Right, now it's time for me to hand you back to the panel while I'm going to go and hit the weights. Welcome back to The Lounge. Now, joining Coach Sharon, Dr. Meg, and myself are Esme and Heather from the Curvy Wellness Company, and they focus on teaching us how to be healthy rather than thinking only about what we look like. So welcome to The Lounge, ladies. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Absolutely wonderful company you have. I was I was being quite nosy and looking at your website and looking at your YouTube videos, yeah. and I just love the way that you challenge that common assumption between body size and health and, and, and fitness and health to a point as well. Yeah. Um, and your health iceberg is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Would you be happy to tell us a little bit more about this concept and also in general more about the Curvy Wellness Company? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first, thank you so much for inviting us here to chat today. This is actually our first ever podcast experience. Um, so we've been really looking forward to this and the opportunity to, to chat about such an important topic. So my name's Esme. I'm a clinical psychologist and I'm co-founder of the Curvy Wellness Company. And I specialise as a psychologist in all things related to the psychology of food, eating, weight and body image. I'm, I'm a physiotherapist um, and the second co-founder of the Curvy Wellness Company. I'm a slightly different physio to what most people expect, you know, that have an injury, see a physio. The area of physio that I've sort of chosen to specialise in for the past few years is more towards helping people with their relationship with exercise, um, which often ultimately means helping people with things like body image and self-confidence as well. Um, it can be quite daunting to walk into a gym or do exercise out on the street and things like that these days. So Heather and I set up the Kirby Wellness Company just earlier this year, actually, and we set it up for exactly the reasons that you've picked out from our website, which is so lovely. So we're really passionate about sharing these messages. Firstly, that there is way more to our health than simply weight. Also, that weight loss is far, far more complicated than we are often led to believe. There's this common belief that it's as simple as eat less, move more. And our personal and professional experiences just tell us that is so far from the truth. And because we are really passionate about empowering people to have a healthy relationship with food, with exercise and with their bodies. That's so fascinating. I think everyone, everyone here would absolutely agree with that. Why do you think, though, there is this this closely held and closely guarded belief around the eat less, move more concept around health and, and fitness and body weight, all of these things? It happens at multiple levels, you know, right from messages that the government give and government policies, which, which do centre around eat less, move more. Um, medical training often, you know, then have that, that message. Our targets in the NHS are about achieving weight loss. And there are there's a huge diet culture industry propping this mm. up. And unfortunately, the diet industry 
profits from people failing. And unfortunately, what happens is people don't realize it's the diet that's failed them. And they internalize this belief that they have failed the diet. But ultimately, these multi-billion dollar companies wouldn't exist if their products really worked in the long term. So yes, diets do work in the short term. And I think that's why people continue to um, go on on diets. And it's a nice shiny thing to um, to try and it gives I think dieting gives people a real sense of safety and control if I follow this plan I will get this result and yes they get that in the short term what doesn't what people don't see and what isn't talked about is the longer term impact that you can't sustain that weight loss that most of these changes aren't sustainable over time in fact um, and it just creates a self-perpetuating cycle where people lose all confidence in their their ability to um, trust their body, really. Esme, thank you so much for bringing out some of those more macro level influences yeah. we have that we often don't talk about. So we, we do talk about a lot, you know, in terms of insta-perfect bodies and lives, but actually we have these messages from the government, these agencies yeah. that we are supposed to trust with exactly. their health. And they're not sort of intricate enough to really reflect no. what what leads to to a healthy life at all no. so that's that's so useful for people to know because they can then not blame themselves and what I find and I'm sure you yeah. both find that sense of shame that yeah. comes with not maintaining that weight loss has a whole host of other problems definitely and people don't realize just for example how much our biology which is something we cannot control at all has it so our genetics have a huge impact um not just on how we process and store fat but things like our eating behavior which we assume is under conscious control how easily we find it to say no to temptation is underpinned by specific types of, of genes which I just think is fascinating. Dieting often comes from a place of wanting to change your body rather than wanting to take care of it and look after it and you know we know that, that leads to all sorts of um, unhelpful health outcomes really. Absolutely and and also actually as a form of punishment I find that yeah. people are, are punishing themselves in a way because of the loop and because yeah. the sense of failure by not being able to maintain the weight loss and it goes on and on yeah. and on and that can create physiological problems as well. I definitely see this when people start thinking about exercise. They definitely view exercise as a form of punishment. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but um, I don't enjoy punishing myself uh, and therefore I'm not likely to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think we, we tend to forget the multitude of other benefits that exercise uh, or just moving our bodies not even just exercise I think exercise is a just a, a category under a big umbrella of physical activity we forget all those other benefits um, that I, it has for our physical body but also for for our mental health and you know and and how it helps us to connect with people and how it helps us just to do our day-to-day -day tasks as well you know uh, none of us are getting any younger unfortunately and you know trying to keep your body as fit as, as strong as possible so it can do the things that you want it to do in your life so I think is you know this our body is this vessel that we've got to look after and nurture and if we don't do that then we're gonna you know ultimately we, we can't do the things that we want to do we can't live the lives that we want Absolutely. And I love the quote you have from Kite and Kite, authors mm. of More Than a Body. Um, and it says, the body 
is a vessel through which we explore the world, not an ornament to be to be looked at. And so that, in a sense, is reframing how we view our bodies. A bit embarrassingly, I actually realised I got that quote slightly wrong. And after we talked, Audrey, I went back to the book and it says right on the cover, your body is an instrument, not an ornament. And we absolutely love this quote. And it sums up so much of the message that we want people to hear, because many, many of us come to learn and internalise this belief that our worth as people and our value as people is tied up with our appearance and the way we look. And it's like we're put on this earth to be a beautiful picture or a decorative ornament for people to look at. But as Kite and Kite um, talk about throughout their book, this focus on an on appearance and the need to, to look a certain way or have a body of a certain size can have a really detrimental impact on our lives and well-being. For example, you know, how often do you hear people say, I'll do that when? Um, I definitely used to say that a lot. Maybe it's about going on a particular holiday or going to a new gym class or taking up a new hobby. We often feel like we have to wait until we look a certain way because we believe or have been made to believe that this will make us feel a certain way. And so we come almost like spectators of our own lives, watching from the sidelines, desperately trying to change ourselves in the background. But as we've just talked about, for many people, changing our bodies, especially by trying to lose weight, just isn't as simple as we're led to believe. So often these moments never happen loving all of that and it feeds so much into a lot of the work that I do when I'm working with you know with young adults they want to fit in and then they're fed a particular uh, way of thinking in order to fit in and that's just that's also about what not just what they look like but also you know what they're wearing and everything yeah. else it all comes down to that how they see themselves doesn't it and and I, I came across um a quote quite a while ago now and it's a Jay, Jay Shetty who quoted this it was actually Charles Cooley's quote and it says um, I am not who I think I am mm. and I am not who you think I am mm. I am what I think you think I am and so when we see I know it's a bit mind-blowing yes like, I'm just what? trying to catch up with it <laughs> yeah I'm with you <laughs> but if you unpick that yeah yeah. It really starts to sort of make sense around, yeah. you know, sort of how we see ourselves because we're not seeing ourselves through our own eyes. We're seeing ourselves through the eyes of what we think other people are seeing us. If what we are sort of experiencing through life, through media, through everything else has a mm. has a knock on effect to our ability to really tune into what we want and yeah. need, yeah. What what are some of the the issues that we face. What I think about when I think about diet culture is all of the rules we internalise. So it's a bit like from society, we internalise what our bodies should look like. Yeah. And then from diet culture, which, and on also the NHS who tell us, you know, what healthy food is and the government who also tell us what healthy food is. We internalise all these rules. So they're external rules and beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, so we come to label certain foods as being good or certain foods as being bad. And actually, they even can start to take on um, moral qualities. You know, oh, yeah. why have I eaten that? That was a naughty food. Some diet companies even call food sins. I mean, let's yes. just fathom at that. Yes. Point 
which is insane. But anyway, um, so no wonder we all come to label foods in these ways. But actually, food is just food, right? It has no moral value. And actually, one of the things that drives people feeling out of control around food and having an unhealthy relationship with food is deprivation and restricting. And we don't restrict what we label as healthy foods. We restrict what we label as unhealthy foods, you know, those treat foods, which leads to people overeating on them or having these really difficult, really painful sometimes experiences with food where they try to control it to such an extent that they end up inevitably losing control and they blame themselves again rather than understanding actually our bodies are designed to eat, our bodies are designed to crave these foods that are high in fat, high in sugar. These foods make us feel good, they release endorphins, they have a real biological effect. So what do we do about it? Well, we find ways to reconnect and help people and ourselves reconnect with the innate abilities we were born with to listen to our body to tell us what to eat, how much to eat and when to stop eating. And there's a whole field called intuitive eating. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -hmm. And I just think um, it's a really helpful framework to move away from diet culture and those rules of eating. Because I think a lot of people, as I said before, feel very safe when they're dieting because they've got a list of things to follow. It's very tempting to go back towards that. I myself have done that countless times. Mm -hmm. And actually intuitive eating still provides a, a framework it provides a set of 10 principles to gradually move away and let go of all all of those beliefs and find ways to reconnect with the body which is all about sort of mindful eating and paying attention to how do I know if I'm genuinely physically hungry or if I'm emotionally hungry and if it is emotional hunger actually what does my body really need right now does it need a a rest does it need a break does it need a bit of connection what is that function the food is serving and Heather and I have actually just about to um, release a series on emotional eating which explores exactly what we're talking about so that's exciting when you talk about emotional eating and the messages perhaps that you know sort of are programming our habits yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because you know one of the things that I often say to my partner is you don't have to finish everything on your plate if you're (laughs) if you've had enough and you know we've unpicked that together it's another rule though isn't it it's a rule it's a rule that you know that that come from yeah and it comes from parenting you know from a good place you should you should finish all the food on your plate yeah yeah Yeah. I think people do start to lose this connection with their body um Mm. totally and I think you know going on from what Esme was just saying about this you know the diet culture it leads into exercise as well Mm. you know you either see people over exercising sometimes Mm you know, not listening to them. Um, as a physiotherapist, I see injuries from people who are over-exercising in yeah. the pursuit of this perfect body. Um, and, you know, who, who tells us there is this perfect body? You know, mm. who tells us what we should look like? Um, there and are, who profits from that? Yeah. yeah. Massive industries, but, you know, as, as May said, um, there's actually a, a, a paragraph in a book called Body Positive Power by mm. Megan Crabb. Um, And she talks about some of the influences that things like social media and media have. Um, And she describes how if an alien were to come to this planet um, and look down um, and use all the social media feeds that are circulating around this planet, it would probably assume, and this does go for females, possibly more than men, but it is, you know, even that's starting to change. It would probably assume that most 
females are probably white, probably blonde and probably thin. Um, so no wonder everybody is trying to gain that, that look. Um, mm -hmm. And they, it would then land on this planet and it would see that there's a massive diversity of shapes, colours and sizes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because, yeah. you know, often I laugh when I see some of the sort of like the, the posts and the campaigns on social media, you know, six ways to get a six pack. Yeah. Or, Ladies, look irresistible in your mm. little black dress, you know, all yeah. of that. And, and, and actually what they're really doing is, is sucking into and targeting our vulnerabilities, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, social media, joking aside, you know, it's not, it's not all negative. It's not no. all terrible. There's some no. great stuff around there. What would you like to see more of, you know, as professionals yourself? Um, I think representation is a, a big thing like you yeah. sort of said Heather we just don't see that body diversity represented on social media in many many respects um and I think that has huge knock-on impacts because if you don't see yourself represented you know you're not going to have that that confidence to to go into the places that, that you deserve to go to um but I think also just we focus so much on what our bodies look like um and even that sort of still hits the mark slightly wrong. We need to remember that we are more than our, our bodies and we have so much more to, to our self-worth. So I think some, some sort of campaigns that look at developing and helping people develop body image resilience and that's not about changing your body or even wanting to love or like your body. It's about finding ways to take the difficult thoughts and feelings we're all going to have about our body because actually it's more normal to not like your body than it is to like your body and take those thoughts and feelings with you into the situations which you want to go into so that you can live the life you really want to live one way to do that is definitely through gratitude and I definitely do that yeah. through, through exercise um you know this shift away from this appearance to an appreciation of how amazing this this thing that we we have uh, no, with us this is the only relationship we're going to have for the whole mm. of our lives with the one with our body so um yeah so it's just you know just and it doesn't have to be a massive thing about being grateful for this whole body it can be tiny things you know appreciate that you've got arms to hug people um appreciate that you've got a heart you've got lungs that they beat and they breathe and they, they allow you to live the, the life that you want so you know even the small things in life to to be grateful for um can sometimes shift that um that sort of um acceptance and that respect oh definitely we talk about gratitude so much so much on this show it's one of our our main themes but i think as well in terms of the the body positivity movement that a little bit of it has sort of just hit off the mark because mm -hmm. actually there are some bodies that don't do what we want them to do i work a lot with people with long-term illnesses and actually it can be really hard even to see a lot of this social media content very much based on on fitness on physical fitness when for many people they, they're going to have limitations mm -hmm. and i feel like we've kind of moved from 
um, the real focus being on slim, it is definitely still there. Mm. But I think fit is the new slim now. Yeah. And even with that, I think perhaps just moving away from the focus on the body completely into body neutrality yeah. can be really exactly. helpful for many people. Yeah, we love body neutrality, body neutrality, body acceptance and body respect because without those fundamentals, you're not going to look after your body. Body. And it, like Heather said, it is your one home. It's the one, the longest relationship you're going to have. We need to help people have a good relationship and, and care for their bodies. So we completely agree. I think body positivity for many people is not a helpful concept, despite the, it being done often with the very best of intentions. And if you can love your body, fantastic. That's awesome for you. But it's not, it's not going to be for, for everyone. No, not at all. And, and sometimes like, like everything in life, we, we may love it at one day and yeah. we may really dislike exactly. it the other day but if we can move towards that sense of body acceptance yeah. that's where a bit more peace lies yeah. well thank you so much Esme and Heather and I'm sure our listeners are really going to want to know where we can find more information about your work our website uh, www.thecurvywellnesscompany is a great place to start um, obviously we're on social media having talked yeah. about it today we are there too um, <laughs> And just to reassure some of the, from your listeners, um, all of our content is, is well, both basically we've made videos and courses that people can do in their own time. Um, it's all evidence-based, it's shame and blame free. Um, and um, we've actually, just for your listeners, created a bit of a discount code for them. Um, so this is on our Udemy site. For those of you who don't know, this is a teaching platform. Um, and if they just use the word discount December, That'll give some money off some of our courses on there. So um, please feel free. And, you know, also message us through the social media if people have got questions and things like that. Um, we'd love to hear from people out there. Um, also, you know, we're always looking, as Esme says, we've got the emotional eating workshop coming out soon. Um, if people have other ideas of things they want, we're always interested in what else people would, would like and so we can develop that as well. So please get back to us in touch with that. Ah, oh, fantastic. Thank you, Heather. And thank you, Esme. It's just been fascinating. And, um, and we just haven't had long enough. I'd love to unpick so much more. So much more. I think we'd we, we be need... delighted to come back. <laughs> I think you definitely need to come back. We need to do a part two and really unpick Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> we would be delighted. Thank you very, very much for having us. It's been a really nice experience. Oh, such a, such a pleasure. Well, I think everybody needs to, to check that out a little bit more. But coming up, we'll be giving you ways to boost that self-love, acceptance and compassion. Welcome back to The Lounge. We've just been speaking with Esme and Heather from the Curvy Wellness Company, who have very kindly offered listeners discounts on their causes, discount December to get those discounts. Their focus was really on acceptance, respect, and body neutrality. And that's so important because our bodies are wonderful. They are indeed the only relationship we have so long-term and they are the home that we live in the longest. So I wanted to think about um, how we can overcome some of the negativity we have in our own heads. And I'll start with Dr. Meg. How can we begin to reframe some of those moments when we look in the mirror and immediately we just say, oh, just my tummy looks awful. 
I've got a double chin or that's all I'm seeing? First of all, I think we do need to really move into body neutrality and move away from the focus and the real preoccupation with our bodies. And that takes practice. That really takes practice. Instead of focusing on that chin, on whatever we don't like, and you could always find an imperfection. That is the thing about the physical form. No matter what you do, there's always something you can find. So shift away and to see yourself as a whole. So what are your values? Focus more on your values. What are your characteristics? What are the really good things about you that you can be thankful for yourself? You might be a really kind person. You, you might be a really funny person. You might be that person that people come to when they're in need. So to just shift and we don't need to actually spend that much time in front of the mirror. And I think it's been a bit harder the past few years because we've done so many online Zoom calls mm -hmm. and there's been quite a lot of focus on, on seeing yourself and also in, in a way that perhaps you didn't before. So let's move away from that. Let's move away and think, okay, what are my values? Am I living my life in terms of those values? And this shift will then take up some of that headspace and take it away from the body because the focus just shouldn't always be on the body. We, yes, it's the, it's the relationship, the vessel that we have for our lives, but we do have other relationships with ourselves that we can really bring to the fore as well. Yes. And I think to carry on that, um, Coach Sharon, you, you work a lot with young people. And of course, listening to you, that's where a lot of the messages do sit themselves down mm. so if you're in a situation where perhaps a parent has said something and we've done the work we're trying to change that but in a way we can't maybe redress it with the parent because maybe that parent's passed on and there's always that oh I wish I could show my mum that this and I wish I could my dad could see me like how do we begin to start loving ourselves in the present for ourselves? If we've got a lot of really negative programming, jumping straight in from dislike, hate into like mm. might be, or love might be a jump too far. I was working with a client yesterday. Um, and so, you know, we, we started to reframe and the shift was so large that we started to sort of say, okay, so what would okay be like? What would good enough be like? Because, um, you know, the, the mind's a wonderful thing, uh, but, you know, we all three of us here know that it's not just a case of just sort of telling ourselves positive messages because ultimately, you know, after a little while, the brain says, well, we don't really believe that, do we? You know, so we've got to make it realistic. Okay, so what would okay be like? And, you know, just a basic acceptance and growing from there to make it achievable. But one of the things I also look at is an exercise called the Museum of Old Beliefs. So if we've been given uh, a belief that actually was from somebody else, mm -hmm. we look at whether that is, you know, an outdated belief is it working for us or working against us in in, in the outcome that we're looking for mm -hmm. and if it's a, you know if it's an outdated belief that's no longer serving us well then we go through uh, an exercise to actually you know leave it in the museum of old beliefs because it's not a belief that serves us well anymore so it's a lovely creative exercise but it works really well 
It is really nice terminology there. And in fact, coming up, the panel will continue giving top tips to practically introduce that self-love, self-acceptance and self-respect. And first, though, we've got Rob, our resident fitness instructor. And today he will be talking about how exercise is not necessarily about looks and is simply an act of self-care. Hi there, it's Rob here. Now, today I was thinking that when we first approach exercise, we can often start with a quite a self-depreciating and negative mindset. With that, what I mean is when we are thinking about starting exercise, there can be a negative thought about our body that we think means we need to go on a diet or get to the gym ASAP. And thoughts like, I hate my love handles or my bingo wings, the skinny arms that I've got or the fact that my legs chafe. We all have something about our bodies that we're not particularly fond of. But this kind of negative self-talk can lead into feelings of shame and embarrassment and behaviours like hiding those areas away or even ourselves from social occasions and it can sometimes lead to eating disorders. Now honestly, no one feels great about how they look 100% of the time. It's completely normal to have times when you don't love what you see in the mirror. So how about we try and reframe that negative attitude into something more positive? Rather than looking in the mirror and thinking, I hate my fat legs or arms, focus on the fact that those legs are the ones that move you on adventures around the world. Those arms are the ones that hug your friends and family. If you catch yourself thinking, I hate my body, instead try telling yourself, although I'm not happy about how I look at this moment, that's okay. Everyone feels like that sometimes, but how I feel about the way I look doesn't determine my worth, and it's not going to stop me from doing the things I want. The last thing you want to do is compound those bad feelings by beating yourself up simply for having those feelings. It's much healthier to accept that sometimes you'll have negative feelings, but move on from them by reminding yourself that there's so much more to you than how you look. Now, it does take practice, learning to catch those negative thoughts and reframe them. But over time, you can change the habit of berating your body and learn to think more accepting and kinder thoughts about it. Try and think of your body as something to care for and celebrated for what it can do instead of something that needs to be whipped into a certain shape. Remind yourself that those legs ran five miles last week. Those arms lifted 10 kilograms for the first time yesterday. Learn to praise your body on what it can achieve. The more respect and kindness we can show our body, the easier it's going to be to make the choices that help us take good care of it. And with that, I'll pass you back to the panel. Welcome back to The Lounge. Tonight we have been talking about acceptance of ourselves, respect for ourselves in terms of our physicality and also body neutrality. And our panel have some exercises now that you can start thinking about, practical ways that we can start to reframe our thinking. So Dr. Meg, we'll start with you. What is one of your favourite self-compassion exercises? Yeah, so really do work in in the space of self-compassion. We give ourselves such a hard time, just, you know, a harder time than we would ever give anyone else. So with with clients, and I do this with myself, if, if I'm giving myself a hard time about physical appearance or about physical function too, I have a long-term illness. Some days I, I really do dislike my body and, and maybe even hate it because it's not doing the things that I would like it to do. So think about someone that you love, that you really love, who is giving themselves a hard time, who's picking up on an imperfection or something they don't like that for, for most other people, they probably can't, can't even see it. 
And think about what you say to them in those moments when they were really, really just bashing themselves. And then think of the words, think of the tone, really go deep into it and reflect that back on yourself. And it takes practice. We're not very good at this, but reflect those phrases, those words, that sentiment back onto yourself to try and grow that sense of self-compassion and be compassionate with yourself whilst you're doing it. It may feel awkward at the time. It takes it takes a bit of time to do this reprogramming. So sit in a place, as Sharon says, of okayness. Yes, yes I like that. I do like this okay, this good enoughness. And I like your point, Meg, about the um, the tone, because that's something that I've I've simplified my version of that exercise to. I don't even have the words to say, but I, I use the same tone that I use for my dog when she struggles because she's blind. And I'm and she's always, oh, it's OK. You're OK. You're fine. And sometimes I just need to tell myself that in that tone of voice. You're OK. You're fine. And I'm able to get on with it a bit better. So the tone of voice is something we don't always think about. So Coach Sharon, you, I know, focus a lot on goals and growth in the future. And so what are your favorite self-celebration exercises? So if we maybe struggle with the compassion, we can think about something that we have been able to achieve. I'm going to share something that sort of bridges the two. Mm. And that's from a sort of a wonderful coach speaker called Mel Robbins. This is her high five habit. Let me ask you, Audrey, what, what, what comes to mind um, when you see somebody high-fiving someone? excitement a success um uh, wanting to celebrate with that person's a connection yeah brilliant brilliant okay so that's exactly it it's a it's a universal signal isn't it for sort of i've got your back well done carry on you know you've got this you know that type of thing so if we if we take that into this context the, the little exercise is standing in front of the mirror every day and looking yourself in the eye, which we often don't do, even, you know, sort of when we're drying our hair or putting our makeup on, rarely do we look ourselves in the eye and then give ourselves a high five. Nothing else. No judgment. Nothing. Now, what that is actually doing, whether we're realising it or not, our brain doesn't doesn't get the fact that we are high fiving ourselves. It mm. just recognises that this is a universal, I've got your back, I'm celebrating you, you know. Yeah, it feels weird. It really does. But do you know what? I mean, I've done this myself and I never ask any of my clients to do anything that I haven't tried myself. I've done this on a regular basis. And, do you know, after a few days when the awkwardness goes, I actually felt myself sort of being quite sort of excited and laughing going towards the mirror. So it's a real sort of you know, sort of shift in all that neuroscience as well. So there's a lot of a lot of background and research that actually backs this up as well. Yes, yeah, no, that picks up very much on what we were saying earlier about the tone of voice, the subtle signs that we mm. don't consciously program, but are certainly there. Absolutely fabulous. And, and this show indeed is going to be offering you ways to make those little changes. And it's always easier to make those changes, to tr start to do that high-fiving, to start to speak kindly to ourselves, to do the things that the panel's suggesting when we're feeling motivated. So we're going to close today with a quick tip from our experts to jumpstart a feeling of joy. Mine is simply to go for a walk and with every step, 
say thank you and you'll find yourself just going thank you thank you thank you thank you and it's cute it's silly it's funny but hopefully you'll feel quite giggly and happy afterwards great I think I would say uh for me what really works for me is just to sort of take a take a, a breath in the day so I love to start my day with a walk and if I can just look for the simple things the simple things are often where we find joy so you know like in the, in the spring it was the little ducklings on the on the river but if we can find just some a small thing that uh, is often all around and it, we just need to choose to look for it well I like to use those brain shortcuts as well that Sharon was talking about and one of the quickest, most immediate and most powerful ones is to use our senses, but particularly the sense of smell. Now, now, ladies, um, uh, we are at an age that we might remember the body spray impulse. Do you remember yes. that impulse? Yes. Oh my yeah. goodness, that and links. They would they came out together. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Well, a few years ago, I randomly found something that reminded me so much of impulse body spray that I used to use when I was a teenager and perhaps had a bit more energy then. And if I need a quick burst of motivation, I squirt it. And it's so immediate. That that um, sense of smell is so immediate in terms of the way it makes you feel that I love it. I did search for impulse for a while as well, but uh, I found something very, very similar. And so everyone can do that. Choose what smell makes you feel energized and find it and keep it at hand. And I just love using the senses as well because they do that shortcut within the brain because we're not having to think about it. We're not having to really engage our higher level sort of processing and cortex. So it happens immediately. Yes, exactly. With smell, it's the only sense that doesn't go through the thalamus. So it doesn't actually need to be sent around the brain by an, a, a messenger system. Fabulous. As always, ladies, thank you so much. So from our panel, Dr. Meg, Coach Sharon and myself and special guests in the lounge tonight, thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.